everyone, and welcome to another episode of How Do You Do the Podcast. I'm Samantha Venacor-Meinrat. And I'm Yael Harudi. And we are here for the next episode in our series, Unpacking Anti-Semitism. We are joined by Alyssa Weinstein-Sears. Um, Alyssa is a Jewish educator and lifelong learner based in Houston, Texas, by way of Baltimore, Maryland. She teaches English to middle schoolers at a local Jewish day school, and she also teaches courses on human rights, anti-Semitism, and Holocaust and genocide at several institutions across grade levels. Alyssa holds a master's in Holocaust and genocide studies from Gratz College, where her research focused on female perpetrators of genocide. Alyssa, welcome to How Do You Jew? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay, and we are so excited to have you. Um, before we jump into our list of questions for you, we really just want to ask you to take the opportunity to introduce yourself beyond your bio. Tell us who you are and about the journey that led you to who who the person is we've asked to be on this podcast. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so basically, I have always been kind of in Jewish education in some way. Like I was a teacher's assistant at my Hebrew school. I babysat for my rabbi. Um, I was the leader of my youth group and I was super involved, but I also had basically no Jewish friends. Um, and when I went to college, I had even less Jewish friends. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and I didn't join Hillel. Like I didn't take the typical Jewish kid journey, um, you know, in college. And um, I actually kind of fell away from my Judaism a little bit until I met my husband. Well, my husband now, he was not my husband at the time. And he is a convert who um, really embraces what it means to be like Jewish in tradition, right? So we uh, light candles on Shabbat and we make challah and our kids do this thing called making a Shabbat wish when we light the candles, which is really precious. Um, I love but, that. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cute. We can we can talk about our first Shabbat. It's a really good story. Um, but you know, our our main purpose is to just like keep some of the Jewish traditions while still very much honoring you know, our progressive Jewish beliefs. Um, and so when we started dating, my Judaism kind of came back in full force, both in tradition and also in my desire to, you know, speak up on behalf of the voiceless because my brand of Judaism really asks for that. Um, and so as I moved to Houston and got involved in the Jewish community, I had the opportunity to meet Deborah Lipstadt while working at one of, I know, she is like my ultimate academic crush. Um, and I have described she, myself as a Deborah Lipstadt fangirl on numerous oh. occasions. Once while I was listening to her speak and like, I, I don't know if that was profoundly awkward. I choose to think like what a compliment as like a fellow nerdy aspiring academic. Like I hope people fangirl me. I know. I feel the same way. Like, I get excited about scholars like other people get excited about Drake. I don't know. It's just who I am as a person. So, you understand why I, I, love, I love the nerdy vibe here. I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, I was like the normal person here. I'm just like, yeah, friends. I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but I like Drake. <laughs> okay. Um, so basically, I, I got the opportunity to hear her speak just after I had started my master's in Holocaust and genocide studies. And I was totally losing it because I was actually meeting this person who was writing the articles and the literature that I was reading. Um, and then I had the opportunity to give her a tour of the Holocaust Museum in Houston, which was another gift. Uh, a few years later, um, I got to talk to her uh, two more times. And she, you know, she's just such an inspiration to my Judaism as well, uh, related to using you know, your Jewish voice to be an advocate for Judaism and for other people. And so I think that's kind of how I got here. I, I love that. And answers. I feel like part of what you said that so resonates is being a Jewish voice. And what we're trying to do on this podcast is both to be Jewish voices, but also to raise and elevate those voices. And we were so excited to bring you specifically for this topic of anti-Semitism, which uh, I know you and I have talked about in another context before that later on the podcast, I'm sure will come up <laughs> eventually. Um, but let's jump into that topic um we you know we want to explore how this became an area of passion for you this area of holocaust and genocide studies and especially teaching it to others so can you tell us all about that journey yeah sure so being a jewish person in baltimore means that for every hebrew school field trip of your life you're going to the united states holocaust memorial museum great spot. right like yeah, so, so many of people's Jewish experiences are tied to the Holocaust, which you've talked about in previous podcasts, uh, and maybe to the detriment of Jewish joy. Um, and so when I say that we always went to the Holocaust Museum, I probably went 10 times before I graduated high school. And that's not normal, right? That is not a normal experience. And I remember I got to the point where like, I would just look at my hair in the reflection of the glass because I had seen it so many times that I was like, this isn't making an impact anymore, right? And then as a Jewish adult, you realize that the hallmarks of the Holocaust, hatred and prejudice and ultimately apathy, right? People's complete lack of interest in standing up for others is what leads to the Holocaust, but it's also what leads to any social injustice. So as an adult, I'm seeing an uptick in racism, an uptick in Islamophobia, an uptick in homophobia and xenophobia, and it's going on all over the country. And all I can do is say, I have all of this knowledge about the history of Jewish people being treated poorly because they're Jewish, and I know how that feels for me, so I have to stop it for other people. I have to say something. And so I was immediately drawn to the Holocaust Museum in Houston. Um, the education department there is absolutely fabulous. I went to a PD there, applied for my master's, was invited to join their team, which was a huge honor, and then just grew a passion for teaching kids about this history as a lens to understand what's going on in the world now. I love that. So speaking to this lens of what's going on in the world now, but also having the historical context, can you give us what's your 
definition of anti-Semitism as we delve into this conversation and what are the like historic things we should know as we transition to asking you about the present? Sure, uh, that's an awesome question. So you gave a really good definition that I think is really widely accepted, the ADL um, accepts it, which is it's like hatred or prejudice against Jewish people, right? That's pretty simple. But the US State Department has actually taken it a step further and gone on to add that it's not just hatred or prejudice against Jewish people or even their institutions, but anything that's perceived to be Jewish or a Jewish institution or a person who's perceived to be Jewish. So if a Christian person gets called, you know, a Jewish slur, that's still anti-Semitism, even if they're not Jewish. If a building that is not Ju not directly related to any Jewish organization is defaced with swastikas, that is still anti-Semitism. And I think that that's really important to know. Um, and the other thing that I would say about anti-Semitism that is important to understand is that anti-Semitism is, Semitism is not a thing. Okay, so like that is totally um, created and manufactured as a way to other people further. And there are such things as Semitic languages and that's like Hebrew and Arabic, right? Um, and so that makes it even more complicated when you talk about anti-Zionism as anti-Semitism, especially in the Middle East. Um, because if you're talking about anti-Semitism, there's an implication that that is very close to Islamophobia or anti-Arab sentiment in general. So I just want to put that out there as being really important um, because there is no such thing as Semitism. So being against Semitism is you know it's such an it's such an interesting <laughs> point cuz like i remember when our shared girl deborah lipstadt another shout out yes. um wrote about how we needed to remove the hyphen from anti-semitism and she it had never been something i would have ever thought about she wrote it so eloquently that yes. i i and i as anyone who has been a guest on this podcast knows and most people who've listened to it know I have like the technology skills of somebody's grandmother. Yael is the one who makes all of this happen. And I did this deep dive into my computer to figure out how to make it so that anti-Semitism one word instead of anti-Semitism became the accepted form for when I was typing things. I will never be able to do this again. So if any other word like changes its <laughs> grammatical form or if like uh, just nothing else will ever happen. But I remember reading that and then seeing, I think it was even this year that like the Associated Press changed in their style guide um, that now it's anti-Semitism one word, not anti Semitism. So yes. that was a really run-on sentence. Sorry, listeners, no. but I I appreciate what you said. <laughs> You're totally right. And it is a huge topic of conversation in my classes because I'm an English teacher and I also teach about the Holocaust. And so like if you put a, a hyphen in between anti and Semitism, especially if you capitalize Semitism, like points deducted. No yes. lie. Nerd oh, wow. night. <laughs> There's such power to being a teacher. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not taking any one of your classes. 
<laughs> no, come on. We just use anti-Semitism as one word. Okay. So I, I can do that. Spelling doesn't count if rule. English is your second language. I'm making that rule. A hundred percent. That's yes. very true. Acing old classes. Um, so I have I have a question, Alyssa. Um, how how if at all, of course, has anti-Semitism one word uh, factored into your personal <laughs> Jewish journey um, and the Jewish choices that you make? Oh man, that's such a good question. You know, <laughs> three times a year, my whole family drives from Texas to Maryland. Okay, and we know what states are between Texas and Maryland. Yeah, and do you know what states are between Texas and Maryland? <laughs> no, but this is not fair. I can tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you cities in, all around Israel. Okay, <laughs> can we do that test instead? Okay, fine. That was a little. That was a little mean of me. Go on. Wait. So, so what? 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 What states? So I. I'll tell you. I'll so tell I understand you. the answer. I'll tell you. So we. Dr- we drive through states that are incredibly Southern and stereotypically not super hospitable or diverse or interested in folks who are not um, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Okay, that explains it, thank you. So like (laughs) we drive through Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, and it's really interesting because I always tell my kids like tuck in your Jewish stars you know, if you're wearing a shirt that says Weinstein Sears on the back, maybe wear a different shirt or wear a different sweatshirt. And I hate that I have to say that, right? And I kind of got to the point recently where I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm, I'm not gonna micromanage this anymore. So my husband and I were driving on this drive two weeks ago to come from Texas to Maryland and simultaneously two very interesting things happened we stopped in georgia in at a gas station and he went to use the restroom and while he was in the restroom i was on my social media and in one of the groups that i was in a woman posted and like i'm so not a social media arguer like i don't hop in on the facebook debates i stay very far away from it and this woman posted that she was interviewing a nanny and when it came time to possibly offer her a position this woman said is there any restriction on what food i bring into the house and she said oh no we don't keep kosher you know you can bring anything in that you want and for the listeners kosher is you know like the jewish dietary laws right um that include not eating shellfish and pork and mixing meat and dairy. And so the woman who she was interviewing said, oh, I was hoping you weren't Jewish. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Like, how is that a response, right? And how do you respond to that? Wow. Right, so she was saying- I was hoping you weren't a bigot. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I was hoping the person watching my children was not, you know, anti-Semitic, one word. And um, she said, I'm still thinking of hiring this person. And I was like, I cannot allow it. I have to say something. And I was sitting there just in my feelings and my husband got back in the car and we started driving. And he said, you will never believe what I saw in the bathroom. And I was like, what? And he said, 
there was graffiti all over the walls. And I said, you're kidding, because when I went into the bathroom, there was a sign that said, don't write on the walls. And then there was no writing on the walls. So I didn't understand why there was a sign that said, don't write on the walls. There's always a reason for the signs. (laughs) Exactly. And the walls were covered in his restroom that said, black lives don't matter. Oh no. The symbol that we saw at during the Capitol riot that stands for six million wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. was also in this bathroom. Um, a Megan David, a Star of David with an X through it. Oh my! What bathroom is this? Oh is my this god! At the Capitol? No, no, no. <laughs> no right? I was kidding. Oh, I was like, wait, what? That's not how geography works. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And the thing that was so fascinating about it was that this gas station had like a sign that said like fresh hot samosas and it was owned by an Indian family and right next to it was like Chinatown and it was like an incredibly diverse area in Georgia and I was like why all the hatred so then I had to hop back into my Facebook post because now I had just had my husband experience uh, anti-Semitic moment in the bathroom and so I was like okay I have to say something to this woman on Facebook who's thinking of hiring her anti-Semitic nanny for her two children and you know I just laid it out like it's not your children's responsibility to teach an adult empathy towards Jewish people right it's that's what we always hope we hope that a bigot will meet us and we will humanize the Jewish people mm-hmm that's not true that it happens sometimes but it's not the reality and it's certainly not the responsibility of children to have to take that on for an adult so as i'm hearing all of these things of course i think to my students who are jaw my my jewish students who are jaw-droppingly in awe of the fact that anti-semitism happens right like they have no idea the Anne Frank Memorial was defaced. What? A teacher put a quote from Adolf Hitler on his inspirational quote board? What? It's insane. Oh. Yeah, like, how does this happen? And how does it happen all the time? And Jewish students either don't know about it or they don't experience it in insulated Jewish communities. Right. But when you step out, like I did in high school and college, and you're confronted all the time with, Oh, Weinstein is a really German last name. No, it's Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty Jewish. Oh, I've never met a Jew before. Do you have horns? Right. I remember. Yeah. No, I remember the first time someone asked me that. But I think what's so interesting about what you just said is this idea of responsibility. And as a mini aside, we're recording right now on a Monday. Yesterday, because Jewish educators work Sundays, shout out Jewish community, um, I taught a two-hour class on anti-Semitism to a group of high school students. And I wound up going down this, like, really ranty rabbit hole. Um, So I hope they enjoyed it. There's a huge chance that it was just like, this lady has a lot of feelings. But... I got really upset because I was like, I'm a Jewish educator. I am equally equipped, yes, to teach you about anti-Semitism, but also I could teach you about any number of amazing things. We could have a conversation right now about holidays, about ritual, about texts, about history, like about tradition. 
anything and everything. And we're spending the two hours that we have together on a Sunday talking about anti-Semitism. And the analogy that I drew um, was to like rape culture, that instead of having a conversation with a group of girls about how do you protect yourself from potential predators, what we should be doing, and so many people are now realizing what needs to be happening, is to have a conversation with male identifying individuals. And this is, again, a uh, stereotype, but largely we see the conversation needs to be happening with males to say, you know, don't assault people as opposed to teaching women how to not get assaulted. And I was having this moment of, I could teach you any number of amazing things about Judaism, about the Jewish identities that you're trying to claim. And instead I have to teach a two hour class on how to recognize and react appropriately to various forms of anti-Semitism instead of being in a space where I can say like, hey, you know, person applying for a nanny job, you should not be an anti-Semite. And it is not the responsibility either of that woman's children to like do that emotional labor or of my high school students who are just like trying to, you know, enjoy their summer. Um, and, and it very much struck me as an analogy, an imperfect metaphor to say the least. But I'm wondering, especially as someone who teaches both in Jewish, but also especially in non-Jewish settings, how all of this is landing with you. Yeah, it's actually amazing because um, a lot of students across Houston that are not associated with Hebrew school or a Jewish day school have never met a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. So the prejudices that they have against Jewish people are, are learned, right? These are learned hatreds and learned behaviors, things that you heard an adult say that you repeat, that you internalize. And my favorite thing, uh, when I used to go to schools all over Houston and talk to students who didn't know any Jewish people was to tell them that I was Jewish at the end of a session, right? And have them be like, wait, what? but you don't look Jewish. And then I'd be like, but what does that mean? Right. What does a Jew right? look like? Right, and so then I have to get into the whole Jewish people come from every part of the world with every skin color and speak every language and you know, like believe all these different things and make up all of these different ethnicities. And students don't understand that because the media depicts Jewish people in one type of way. And so, you can do this exercise with students who are Jewish or non-Jewish and kind of say, Google like Jewish protesters and what comes up. It's all pictures of ultra-Orthodox, black hat, wearing Jewish men, like freaking out, right? And that is what is out in the media as the perception of Jewish people, not the diverse rainbow of progressive, liberal, conservative, orthodox of all different levels, right? And so kids who don't know Jewish people don't understand what it means to be Jewish. Mm -hmm. So they can't empathize as easily with the history of the Holocaust, but they can see a sign that says, you know, COVID was caused by the Jews just like historically signs have gone around that said, you know, Jewish people caused the Black Plague. History repeats itself, right? I think we've and, and seen so, that. Yeah. I mean, again, especially during COVID, yeah, Ellen and I feel like we've shared the story 
I don't even know how many times that a colleague of mine was the first case of COVID in Ohio. You can check the Wikipedia page. Um, and Gotta love Wikipedia. And because he had contracted it um, actually at APAC policy conference where he had traveled with like a group of Jewish high school students, the first people to lock down in Ohio happened to be this group of uh, this group of Jews because we didn't know what exposure was. So all these high schoolers that were on this bus had to lock down and all the other students started calling COVID like the Jew flu. Mm-hmm. Um, and the a lot of the teens who I've spoken to like immediately right then and after were just like, nonchalant about the whole thing. It was like, oh yeah, they're calling it the Jew flu. And then they called it, you know, the China virus. I mean, and on and on, like it's, suffice it to say, COVID has not brought out the best in everybody. Um, But we had this whole conversation about, well, what does that mean historically? Because when Jews are accused of bringing a plague, um, like stuff gets bad (laughs) to to say the least. Um, So I think not having that sense of history that clearly you're uh, working to instill, we don't even in some cases recognize what certain things mean. And I, like, yeah, I know you've had your personal experiences with anti-Semitism, also especially growing up, also not to stereotype the South, but during your time North in Carolina. the South. <laughs> North Carolina, yeah. um, as our listeners have heard. Do you feel like when these things happened, you had like a context for where it was coming from or it was just like no this woman sucks no i didn't have i had it was a kid it was a boy I thought, no we we victimized one of your teachers oh, oh the teacher <laughs> I, why do i keep forgetting about, i think i'm blocking yeah oh my, mrs haskins of mrs course. haskins we've called no. you out <laughs> um i no first of all i was 11 12 mm-hmm. at that time so i had no idea where i was coming from and also up until that point in my life, I was living always in Israel. Right. Never experienced anti-Semitism ever. And that was my, th- those two experiences, both in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, the place I will never go back to, um, were the first anti-Semitism experiences I've ever had. So I had no idea. So I can imagine kids that grow up in the same, like, you know, environment. I mean, you can't say that, Israel is the same environment as here, no. but I'm saying, I mean, those ages or until you until you have your first experience mm-hmm. with it, you don't think anything of it. For you, it doesn't exist. Yeah, no, I think it's, again, it's really powerful to figure out like what are these, on the one hand, what is this like first moment and oh my God, like the, the bubble has burst yeah. for some people. And in other cases, certain things that like, Alyssa, the things that you were saying about your road trips with your kids your kids are relatively young, like, will these be things that they even realize, oh my God, is that internalized anti-Semitism that I have to hide my last name when I'm in certain places? I remember a road trip to Arkansas when I think someone was practicing for their bat mitzvah. I don't know if it was my sister, my brother, me, like, but for some reason, our family road trip soundtrack, which this really tells everyone everything they need to know about me, was someone's Torah portion. And that's just what we were listening to over and over on this drive, because whoever it was had to be practicing. And then like when and on the highway, feel free, rock out to a Torah reading like as best we could. But then like when we stopped, like you said, at a gas station or whatever it was, 
like let's turn down the radio so to uh so to speak like this isn't the time to necessarily have this blasting and like I don't think my parents would ever have said that was internalized anti-semitism or even be able to say this is what we were worried about but it was an instinct that was there of like lower lower the tunes kids did you understand it as a kid I don't know I know like I think the first time something like that was ever ex- actually explained to mm-hmm. me was when I was in 11th grade and we went to um, Germany, to mm-hmm. Poland, to Poland. Me. And we but went to Poland like- with our school and we were told no, no backpacks or shirts that have Hebrew writing on them, no wearing um, a Star of David or anything, um, any Jewish jewelry on you, no Israeli, no Israeli jewelry in some, mm-hmm. some way or, or another and no Hebrew writing on, on anything. It was mm-hmm. very strict that when we're in a group together, and also we don't, we weren't allowed to speak Hebrew loudly in the streets. Well, what a privilege for Jewish people who are able to remove their Jewish identifying things, right? Just tuck in your Jewish star, or don't wear that T-shirt, or let's turn down our Torah portion. Whereas we have folks in our Jewish community who cannot. I do that, right? You yeah. can't just remove your seat seat because you're going into a gas station. You can't just take away your payout, right? Like I agree. They're there. Yeah. And um, I had mentioned to you both before, you know, Judaism is so diverse mm-hmm. and anti-Semitism is also applied to anything perceived to be Jewish. I know that many students at my school and the school where my stu- my kids go, their first experience with anti-Semitism is during athletics. When oh, they hear, yeah, they hear anti-Semitic slurs, you know, because they win or because they lose or because it's a competition, but in but half of those kids aren't Jewish, right? Right, but because they go to a Jewish day school they're grouped in with the Jewish community experiencing anti-Semitism. So we see, again, we see this anti-Semitism and we know we, we can all run down this list that it's coming from the left. It's coming from the right. It's part of a historical trend. Also, this is a unique moment in history. And as I said, I just went on a rant to these like poor unsuspecting kids about it makes me so sad that we're spending our time even having to talk about this in the America of 2021. So I'm going to transition us a little bit. Our girl, now yeah, Elle's girl as well, Deborah Lipstadt, who basically <laughs> is like the unknowing sponsor of this episode. Can we tell her that? Um, um, or Let's we're just endorsing her. her. It's it's yeah. kind of like when we went all in on cottage cheese and like... This is just a free endorsement. Exactly. Free endorsement. <laughs> so in her latest book, Anti-Semitism Here and Now, which I will also happily endorse and tell people to go out and buy, um, she writes that anti-Semitism has become the drummer to which a family's Jewish identity marches. They know of Jew as object, not subject. In other words, what is done to Jews becomes far more significant than what Jews do, and it leaves many Jews aware of what to be against, but not necessarily what to be for. And as listeners on this podcast know, we are all about how we do Jewish, how we Jew, and fostering Jewish joy as well as self-expression, and making sure that each one of us feels empowered to embrace how we Jew and do our Judaism on our own terms. So I want to pivot towards what brings you Jewish joy? 
So honestly, and I promise I'm not just saying this to suck up to you guys, but one of the things that brings me Jewish joy is seeing how Jewish connections between people manifest. So I worked at a synagogue with Rabbi Chase Foster, who has been on this podcast. Shout out. Yeah, what's up, Chase? Um, And the Fosters connected us. And we got to work on a couple of things together. And that brings me joy. And it also brings me joy that you all are lifting up Jewish voices because that doesn't happen in the media. That doesn't happen in popular culture as much as I think it should. And so literally things like this bring me Jewish joy. Um, And also like really good holla. You know what I'm saying? Like the good holla brings me Jewish joy. A good braid, a good crown braid, stuffed, unstuffed. Ooh. Shabbat holla. Shabbat holla brings me Jewish joy also. (laughs) Listeners, I'm back on keto, so... (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Thank you, me too. <laughs> um, is there anything that we haven't asked you or given you an opportunity to voice that you want to get in here? I think the only thing that I would say, and I'll try to keep this brief, I know I'm kind of a rambler. Um, I, the only thing that I would say is that anti-Semitism is really real. And every Jewish person has a responsibility to speak up against it, whether that's within the Jewish community, where certainly anti-Semitism does exist, or if it's out in the world. But you also need to protect yourself and protect your mental health and not um, find yourself battling the whole world. And so as a result of that, I would ask any ally of the Jewish community to stand up with us and help us and don't allow Jewish people to continue to be the scapegoat, continue to be the easy group to blame. You know, I know that my family, my kids, my students would advocate for any community in need, any community being targeted. And I would just mention that if you are advocating for others, please ask them to advocate for you as well. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, Alyssa, if other people are as inspired by you as I am and we are and want to continue the convo, where can they find you or learn about um, all the amazing things you have going on? Yeah, I mean, social media is the best. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm super heavy on the anti-Semitism on social media, but I'm always happy to connect with people on social media and talk further. Um, You can find me on the gram. Uh, my handle is it's red, not ginger. Oh, because my hair I love is that red. handle. <laughs> uh, so yeah, feel free to follow me or find me on Facebook. I'm the only Alyssa Weinstein hyphen Sears. Two words, not one word, like anti-Semitism uh, <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> Maybe I should unhyphenate my name in solidarity with anti-Semitism and just be like Vinicore Minor. I think you'll have the longest last name ever. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to do that. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Listeners, thank you for being here for another episode of How Do You Jew, the podcast. Thank you, Alyssa. This was amazing. 
Um, As a reminder to all of our listeners, um, you can leave, you can find us, first of all, subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else that you are listening. You can find us, along with Alyssa, on Instagram at HowDoYouJewPod, and you can email us all your thoughts and feelings at HowDoYouJewPod at gmail.com. And until next time, happy Jewing! (laughs) 